This is the RevOps Recruiters Podcast, Episode 12, The Science of Hiring with PhD of IO Psychology, Neil Morelli. Thanks for checking out the RevOps Recruiters Podcast. This episode, we've broken into two parts. So enjoy this first episode, and then be sure to tune in next week for episode two. Adam, good to see you, man. Yeah, here we are, man. Episode 12. Episode 12, and it's not every day you get to have a doctor on the podcast. The doctor of talent acquisition, the man, the myth, the legend, Neil Morelli is here with us. Yeah, Neil, good to have you, man. Yeah, thanks Thanks for being here. here. Yeah, Awesome, awesome. So welcome, everyone. Our mission here is to provide insights and best practices around finding, hiring, and retaining top revenue operations talent. Yeah, and we're Adam and David from RevSearch, and we're your hosts. That's right, that's right. So Neil, I'm going to point to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us the quick background. Yeah, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, my background's in IO psychology. IO stands for industrial organizational. So uh, the way to think about IO psychology is that it's the science of the workplace. Okay. Mm -hmm. So IO psychologists spend a lot of our time helping businesses manage their talent, get the most from their talent, and then also individuals have the best possible experience that they can at work. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. having more satisfaction, more productivity at work. Uh, it's all sort of the scientific study of that, of, of that context of that environment. Yeah. So that's yeah, awesome. That's my background, but I've also been in talent acquisition uh, roles for several years and worked with executive search firm, worked with uh, pre-hire assessment software companies. So I've helped companies of all sizes with their talent acquisition process. Awesome, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's great to have you here. We can't wait to get into some of the things that you're going to talk about and just hearing some of the science and the background in what we do when we're trying to find great talent for organizations. Sure. That's right. Yeah, I'm excited. We're, we're going to cover three buckets today. Uh, talk through some things that we're going to specifically talk to companies, hiring managers, some of these folks that are that are looking at some best practices. They, they want to hire. They want to get better at hiring. Uh, and so we're going to pick apart that process a little bit. So three buckets today are going to be job descriptions, assessments, and interviews. Yeah. So why don't we start with the job description? Let's unpack that. Why is it important? What, like, you know, we, we've, we've, yeah. we've done this conversation before a little bit and we said you should t- have some intentionality around creating a job description, but yeah. we've got you who's studied this at the PhD level. So <laughs> what, what, what's the purpose of a job description? Why, why should they put effort and time into it? What does that look like? Unpack that for us. Yeah. So the job description is really your, your North star, sort of the map that you're going to follow when you're working with a job. So when you're hiring, when you're helping to manage people, once they're in the, in the position, or, you know, once you're coaching them and training them, preparing them for what's next, it's really your, your roadmap for what that job's all about. Got it. So it's really important to get it right. Yeah. And it's something that people tend to shortcut quite a bit because it feels like a bit of an administrative detail to a lot of people. At least that's my sense. And that's what I've seen is you take a, a job description that's been around, you make a few tweaks to it and you, you slap it up and you're good to go. Right. So it feels like just this little, this little sort of like hang up this little detail that um, is easy to overlook and, and kind of underappreciate. But from my perspective, if you've got the job description wrong, you're, already behind you're already kind of working with sort of a faulty mental model so it's important from a very practical perspective but it's also a little bit of a 
a way that I think that more businesses and, and more leaders can bring more evidence-based practice into their talent acquisition. And that's because in IO psychology, one of the bedrock practices, one of the bedrock things that we do is called a job analysis. Okay. So it's really the, the scientific study of what the job is. And this goes way back, but uh, you could really start with observing what people are doing on the job. You collect data, you do surveys, you really do this thorough process of understanding what are the work activities and then what are the competencies, we call them KSAOs or knowledge, skills, abilities, and other characteristics that go into performing that work. So when someone hears the word job analysis or that, or kind of learns about what it is, it's scary and it's a little bit off-putting and say, we don't have time for this. So the reason I like to talk about the job description quite a bit is because that's sort of the end deliverable that more people are familiar with that, that really encapsulates sure. what sort of the outcome of a job analysis is. Right. But if I can coach someone to build that job description in a more thoughtful way, they've essentially done sort of a, a simple, a simpler job analysis to really get to a place where now you're, you're, you're standing on bedrock. So that's, that's really interesting. So what I'm, what I hear you saying is, uh, take the time to sit down as an organization and it's, a, it, you know, obviously an opportunity to differentiate yourself, to get that roadmap, right. Especially in the age of chat GPT, where a lot of individuals are now, you know, cutting corners, trying to cut corners, using that tool to write job descriptions. Talk about that a little bit. What, what's your experience with that? What would you say to someone who's using this tool to create job descriptions? Yeah. So what's funny is I just got done writing a book chapter on building job descriptions and really trying to bring that job analysis process that I talked about to entrepreneurs, to, to startup leaders, to small, smaller business owners that don't really have the, the time or the resources to do that kind of in-depth investigation of what a job is. So I was trying to simplify it and give some practical tips for how to do a job analysis based job description well. Mm. Um, and it's funny that once that is published, now we have ChatGPT and a lot of those things are changing, right? And yeah. they, they're changing in some good ways and some potentially bad ways. And what you're mentioning is now with ChatGPT, someone can just write a prompt and have a yeah. job, job description spit out, yeah. which in some ways, that's helpful in that it might even be better worded and more complete and thought <laughs> through than most job descriptions. Right. But it's also, there's not a lot of contextualization of that job description of the output to the local context of, of that role, which is really the, the crucial piece. Yeah. So ChatGPT been doing a lot of thinking about that as mm. uh, I work for a company that we assess software engineers and ChatGPT is a big part of that conversation around what does coding look like right. now that it can code and, and right. all of that. So I've been thinking about this and even playing with it myself. I do think ChatGPT can help folks have a pretty good starting point, a good boilerplate that they yeah, can work yeah. with and maybe even assist them in some of the steps that I've described in my chapter around coming up with good work activities, good work activity statements. What is this person supposed to be doing in this job? Uh, good competency statements. It can really like accelerate that process and make that a lot easier, but you still need confirmation. You still mm -hmm. need some curation of that information and, and validate essentially that what it's that what's there. So for with that piece, you need job experts. You need people that are knowledgeable about the role. Don't just think, well, I knew someone that did this before and I'm going to, you know, kind of use them as a proxy and, and all of that really gather a little bit of information, at least confirmation that you're on the right track. But I actually think ChatGPT can, can help with that process. 
Yeah, I think, David, you know, a lot of times when we're talking with clients, they'll ask us, do you have something that we could begin working from? And I yeah. think from that standpoint, yeah. it's a great tool. But hopefully it's just a starting point, not the final. When they then yeah. send us back the job description and it's literally word for word, but with their logo at the top, we're like, yeah. oh, shoot, we didn't go through the process. Exactly. Right. Um, let me ask you this, Neil, how long should a company, should an organization set aside for this process? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, if I'm saying I'm, I'm, I know that I need to hire this role but I want to be intentional about it. What's my effort going to look like? How long should I set aside for this? Yeah. So for a larger organization where you're going to be hiring at scale Mm -hmm. and there could be even legal consequences for the decisions that are made on the basis of what's there, sort of the meat of the job description, I think you could take several months potentially to really go through the process of gathering information or bring in outside experts to help you kind of shepherd that process through. So that is a high stakes environment where sure. there's lots of people coming through and, and really going to be you know, judged on the basis of what's there. Yeah. For smaller organizations, and they might be hiring one or two people a year, you have to really think about, well, what are the, what are the, the talent acquisition goals? Like, what's my strategy here? Is, is it a, maybe a lower stakes role? I just have to get someone in. Maybe you can afford to go a little bit quicker or just get things checked off, a little bit of confirmation. Right. Um, but still, every hire, especially in a small business, can have a pretty big impact. For sure. And costs. Yeah. So as much as you might think that a shorter process is better because we need to get something going and we just need to fill the seat and all of that, I do think that uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, essentially. So yeah. having a little bit of time and doing that due diligence up front can really pay dividends. Yeah. So if that's a few weeks, maybe even a couple months, I think that pays off in the end. Yeah. You know, it's, it's time well spent, yeah. especially when you look at executive level or sure. leadership yeah. level roles where they're going to have you know, strategic impact on your business, the direction. And if you make a poor hire there, it takes a lot to walk back. Sure. I'm sure you've seen this yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it hasn't worked out or a candidate's kind of fallen out of over six months. Well, why? A big part of that is the expectations weren't set right. Mm. The expectations weren't set right from the, the employer side. And then for the candidate, the person filling the job, they didn't have a clear set of expectations. Sure. There's actually a, a term in, in IO psychology called the psychological contract. Maybe you've heard of this before, but no. um, it's essentially that sort of unwritten set of rules and expectations that one party has with the other. The employer says, if you do this, then I will provide Y. And then the, the employee says, well, if I do X, then you will give me Y. And okay. if there's a misalignment there, sure. it doesn't okay. go well. Yeah. Yeah. So the concept makes sense. We actually talked about this on a previous episode. I didn't know the terminology, mm-hmm. so that's excellent. But yeah, that alignment, misalignment, I think is one of the sure. fastest way to, to derail an individual within an organization. Mm-hmm. Is In fact, I heard someone did some research that said the number one reason that people are unhappy with their job is not because they work for somebody who's bad, not because they yep. are underpaid, not because they don't believe in the mission of the organization. The number one reason is either unclear or changing expectations. Yep. Exactly. That's why they're unhappy. Yeah. You so. get into a job and then it's not what you thought it was, or you're being asked to do something different than what you signed up for. Sure. doesn't go well. Yeah, for sure. I, I think about, you know, the, you mentioned the recruiting piece and in our relationship with, with clients a lot of times, you know, companies rely on outside resources to help develop out that job spec, that, that job description and, and, and lean on an outside resource to provide job descriptions. Mm. And, and a lot of times what I encourage, you know, what we encourage clients to do is 
put your, you know, spend some time on this internally, pass it around, yep. you know, get, mm-hmm. you know, your DNA, yeah. you know, your company. And that's, that's what I'm hearing from you is you yeah. have to understand, you have to understand your organization, the DNA and what you're really trying to get out of this role. Um, and, and it, it helps to have an outside resource and we can provide best practices around the specific role requirements yeah. of that role, what we see as successful. But then there's that organizational part that has to be there, right? Yeah. That only the company really knows. So there's a, an idea that sort of a phrase that I'm trying to coin in this, this book chapter that I published called the job council. Okay. So this is the council of mm. people that you bring around a particular job that you're trying to hire for and recruiters that see these types of jobs a lot. They see them in different contexts. They know what works well. They could be on the council, essentially having someone else that has done the job, like the one that you're hiring for before, you know, that would be a good person, mm-hmm. maybe uh, an investor or an advisor that is right. knowledgeable about the job. The important thing is someone has a clear point of view about what this job entails and is required and when you sort of assemble those complementary viewpoints then you get a pretty good you kind of triangulate what the job really does look like and how it should roll up or connect to the the business objectives that you have yeah i love that that's great i have one other question around job description before we transition so i think about two organizations are in two positions when they're hiring this role they are either hiring this role for the very first time and it's kind of an unknown yep and then you've got the situation where I'm backfilling this role. It's a role we've had, but the person isn't there for some reason and I need to, or I'm adding to it. How should I approach creating that job description if I'm in those two environments? The person who's never hired for this role before, I think that's kind of what we've spoken to a little bit here, um, but how that's different and what how I should evaluate if I'm rehiring for this role, if I'm doing mm-hmm. a backfill. But I, I probably need to do some work with the job description again. Yeah. So walk us through a little bit of that. Yeah, so I actually think the process is pretty similar in both of those cases. And by that, I mean what a founder or a leader knows, should know pretty well, is what are, what are the business objectives? What am I trying to achieve with my business? They should know their business strategy fairly right. well. And if you can then sort of articulate that in as clear terms as possible, and I go into more detail in, in this whole chapter thing, but... Uh, if you start with that, which you should know through and through, then it's how do I expect this role to achieve these business objectives? Mm-hmm. So what are the specific outcomes that this role should should do, should translate, should roll up into those? If you at least have that, then you can rely on the, that job council essentially to say, well, what are the things that would contribute to whether or not someone can achieve these outcomes? And I say that for an executive level or a leadership level in particular, because you don't need to be too prescriptive around, okay, you're going to do this. You don't have to have that work activity list uh, outlined and defined to the nth degree. The tactics are less important the, in this case. And there's this also this idea called equifinality. It's just that I can get to the same outcome by different means, mm, right? Okay. I can, the yeah. different paths can yep. converge at the same place. And what you want to have in a leader is someone that's really going to kind of shape how they want to execute on the outcomes that you've set, but you want to help set the standard for what does success look like, right? right. Okay. So if you've ha- if you've gotten those, then you rely on some some outside help and counsel and, and, and expertise to really help you know what are the human capabilities that I'm looking for that will help contribute to that. And so you mentioned uh, someone for the first time. You might not know how someone does this, right? Okay. But you do know what you want them to achieve. And then you need to get a little bit of help to, to figure out what the capabilities are. And even if you're backfilling a role, 
I think that contextualization of where does our business sit today? What are we doing today? That might be different than it was a year ago or right. two years ago. Right. And it might be that the role that this person left, they shaped and kind of crafted and they molded that position to the contours of who they are as sure. a person. So you don't want to fit someone else into that form fit, you know, position that, that, that the old, uh, you know, the old incumbent was in. So you really want to start over and kind of give some, you want to give the degrees of freedom for someone to kind of contour that job, but you want to help set the standard of what this role, why this role exists. Yeah. That's really, yeah, that's really great. good. I, I have a, another question that kind of popped into my head there, you know, we've been thinking through, um, you know, values-based recruiting mm. and hiring versus culture-based Right. And mm. this this idea of, you know, you're you've got values in your company. Um, but a lot of times we hear people say we need to find a culture fit. Mm -hmm. What's your opinion on, you know, mapping values in, in the hiring process versus trying to just continue on culture? Yeah. So in the literature, it talks about how value congruence is really the sort of the the, the instrumentation, how you actually achieve culture fit. So if someone says, we need to do a good culture fit, I would say, well, what are your values and how do you yeah. want to evaluate whether or not someone's aligned with those values? So I, I think that those two things go hand in hand. Yeah. And I think the values-based approach is really a better detailed, more evidence-based process for getting to that culture fit place that everyone right. says that they want to be at. But ultimately, because it's ill-defined, you, you, you decide, well... You know, I like David, <laughs> right? Like that's I can right. get a beer with David, you know, yeah. like that's what it kind of comes yeah. down to. That's the yeah. culture fit, right. but really values congruence is the, I guess you could put it the fair, more objective way to get at that culture fit piece. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the RevOps Recruiters podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it. If you subscribe, you can do so on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you've got feedback on things you'd like to hear us discuss on the podcast, leave a comment on YouTube and we'll check it out there. Finally, if you're looking to make your first or next RevOps hire, we'd be happy to talk to you about that. You can schedule a time to connect with us on our website at www.revsearch.io. Again, thanks for listening.